All right, Romans chapter 12. Start there. I'll do a quick uh, kind of review. We're sort of continuing um, from last week. We talked about our enemy, uh, the devil. Um, some of this gets in the realm. Some people call kind of a spiritual warfare, and I guess that's okay and practical. More importantly, we want to look at Scripture and see how do we have victory. Um, last week we looked at who the devil is and his attacks that he wants to stop us um, from uh, ring out. One, uh, one way to keep the devil away is uh, I, I may do a, a, a lesson or sermon or something on this idea, but I heard a preacher last couple days um, I was listening, and it's just an interesting thought. I've been doing some study on my own, just in the Bible, and prayer, and and uh, things as we pray. And one of the marks that gets forgot about sometimes in prayer is the amount of praise and thanksgiving, and and, and that. And and uh, you know, Satan before he was kicked out of heaven as Lucifer, his job was being around the throne of God. He was in charge of the music, his his vocal cords, if you will, were like instruments, and and it was all about praise. Well, his sin and the pride, he wanted to be like God. He wanted that praise that God gets. And uh, man, he said, "What one thing that drives Satan away is just us praising God, and uh, that's the one thing he wanted in heaven." And can't have when we praise God, we uh, um, man. That's just not. It's opposite of what he thinks he's after. And uh, but but mostly Satan's overall scheme, his overall plan, if you will, or 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 after us is just to keep us from doing right, keep us from praising God, keep us from obeying God. Keep us from having peace. The more discouraged, miserable, um, down, distracted, um, it it doesn't even have to be what we call sin or deep sin. It's just if we can keep so distracted from the things of God, Satan has some victory. And uh, I'll ask you that uh, be sober, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And uh, that I like that word may. He's looking for uh, targets, but he's looking for, in a way, are we going to allow it? It says may devour. It's not said. Doesn't say who he can devour. It says who he may devour. Um, and in other words, are we in in our spiritual walk and our place with God and our mindset? Are we going to allow Satan to devour us? And we're going to look at just a few scriptures today. Um, we, we likely won't be too long, but, but uh, some of these thoughts about Satan and having victory. We should be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to start there, Romans chapter 12. And uh, what we're, we're talking today just about having victory. One of, one of the distractions people get into, if we're not careful, there's things in the Bible about Satan, how he works. We just read a verse. We talked about it last week. And, and people get caught up. And sometimes I, I heard a, in, in, a, in a sermon recently kind of an illustration. Somebody was in some big crowd and what they called a, a Christian. I have no idea what the venue was. But it's big enough or a church or something. Somebody was running a camera in the back. And uh, he noticed some woman having trouble staying awake. 
she kept falling asleep during whatever was going on or the talk or sermon or whatever it was. And uh, she kind of, and every once in a while, every time she'd bob up, like realize she would doze and wake up and, and uh, to herself, she'd like rub herself and tell her, get off me, demon of sleep and trying to get it. It's like, that, I, I don't think that was a demon. Um, but if we're not careful, the point is that the, if we're not careful, that that idea gets in where we start looking instead of looking for the victory God gave us, we start worrying about, well, is that a, is that a demon influence? Is that this influence? Is that from Satan? Is that this? And, and our attention, even though we think we're trying to do the right thing, our attention starts turning more on the devil than where our victory is. Um, I'm not going through, I don't know if I'll continue this through next week or not. Um, a few weeks ago, we did kind of preach a little bit. Several times through the Bibles, we're, we have victory. We're overcomers. You said, um, you're not, he said, you know, he's overcome the world. So he gives us that power. We overcome the world. Um, we have victory in Christ. We just need to learn to um, use what God already gave us Many times. Um, it starts in our way of thinking. We have to understand that if I'm saved child of God, I have to think different. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That'd be a good thought to do some study and prayer just on that verse and, and figure, present your body a living sacrifice. Everything we do should be sacked toward the things of God. And uh, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But verse 2 continues that thought as, as we figure out what it is to God and how to live for God. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. But um, <laughs> that one of the problems we see in that church because of Internet and, and, and all the media and things and how people think. I've seen a lot of people wanting to conform to this world. The church is trying to be like the world. People in the church are no longer concerned about um, it, it's, it, if I'm going to live for God, I'm probably going to be different and, and have to take a stand for things and, and do right. And uh, to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And uh, so that verse saying we got, we have to start with our thinking process on how we see these things of God and how things work in the world. And we have to renew our mind um, to take it. It's not a miracle. Too many people try to tie, I've preached on it plenty, but the salvation and getting salvation mixed up and they think on all sides. It doesn't matter if they're so easy, they almost don't have salvation or, or the side that adds works to salvation or, or, or somewhere in between where they think, well, we get saved and we have all this when we got saved. It's like, well, no, we still have to do our part on living for God. No, salvation is simple. I believe in Christ. I got saved. But it says here, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed is a big word. And an and idea, not just how you write it, but an idea that we're transformed means, hey, something has to change. Something's big. I'm becoming something bigger or better. Um, and, uh, and like, uh, much like a caterpillar, it goes through the process, becomes a butterfly. It's, it's a whole different thing. Yes, what's inside of it, some of the basic core of what makes the animal alive may be the same, but it's a whole different thing. 
And uh, so, we, but it starts with our mind and how we think. And are we thinking about the things of God? Uh, are, is, are the things of God on our mind? Are we praying on, with God constantly? Are we, are spiritual things on our mind? Or are we so conformed to this world that we leave church and we forget about anything to do with God and try to be like everyone else? And uh, so be formed, the renewing of your mind, it starts in our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, those are not, those are not, I used to hear it preach, those are not three different types of God's will that, that God allows that, that's emphasizing how important our mind is. He's talking about the will of God and we say prove the, the will of God. We need to prove that we're living for God. Prove that we're looking for the things of God. Prove that we're looking. So he's just reiterating a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, that's how important God's will is. Um, the, the, um, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you to think of himself more highly, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. It talks about our attitude toward God. Um, I've heard people say, I've mentioned, I don't know, in the internet, I've heard it in sermons, I've heard it, you know, somebody said, you know, for example, we're proud to be an American, or I'm proud of our family, somebody attacking, you know, any kind of pride is sin. It's like, well, there's sort of different kinds of pride. That's not what this verse is talking about. This is directly talking about my relationship with God. Um, I, I, I'm not, I, I've not arrived at anything because I'm a Christian. I'm not better than anybody else. If I'm trying to serve God, does it make me better than another person? Um, it doesn't, my, my, my humility is about me for God. All the way through the Bible talks about bold, not arrogance, but boldness. Um, where we, we're confident in the things of God. When I go to the world with the gospel, well, when I preach or when I try to help somebody or a counselor, I have the authority through the word of God. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit in a moment, but, but uh, this talk just directly talking about my relationship with God that we're not to think um, of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as, as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we have that faith, we have faith in Christ, and, and we need to live by that faith, by the trust in God every single day. That's what we taught when the disciples were in the ship and they had the storm and Jesus would talk about, well, you have little faith. He turned to Peter walking in the water, he said, how come you have no faith? He said, no faith. Um, that's it, because so God, we need to live in that realm of faith and that idea of faith, yeah, verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many uh, are, are one body in Christ and every one members of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry. And it goes on and talks about some of these things. Now, I'm going to say this real quick. Um, someday I might preach on it. I, I've seen heard some wild things about where Corinthians, it mentions these gifts again and things. And I, I've heard some wild things about this stuff. Um, uh, the shortage, the, the emphasis here 
is not trying to figure out if I have some kind of gift. That's, this is going to be important in a little bit um, where we're going next. But the, 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 these gifts are, we have things to do. God gave us different personalities. We got different backgrounds. We got things, and, and, and we can help somebody a different way than someone else. Notice it mentioned the body of Christ. We're all one body, but we have not the same office. Later in, later in some of his writings, Paul uh, emphasizes that thought. I mean, some might in the church, in the body of Christ, some might be the head, some might be the hand, some might be the eye, uh, somebody, that's what it's talking about here. And, and, uh, so it, it, it's, it's, um, not, uh, give you a, um, quick example. Um, for example, the, the modern, the charismatic crowd emphasizes these gifts to the point that it becomes a thing they do. For example, healing. The Bible says God can heal us if God wants to heal us. And the Bible gives us instruction. We can pray for God to heal, maybe physically, maybe a disease, and we can heal. The problem, by taking this out of context on what these gifts are, the charismatic crowd thinks that God gave somebody a gift of healing. That person now becomes a healer, and that person can now heal. That's not how it works. Everything is through the power of God, and we're going to see that in a little bit, talking to our, about our fight with Satan and how we have the authority from God, um, by God, through God. Don't, don't cut out. God doesn't give us a gift that'll cut him out. And, and, and that's where some error in these ideas uh, of gifts. So, um, but, but the emphasis here, we have to change our mind about how we think about the things of God. And uh, so... Let's go to um, let's go to Luke ten. Get into right into uh, this thought here about dealing with the things of uh, um, between God and the victory. We're talking about victory over the devil. Luke chapter ten and verse seventeen. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, "Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name." And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over, and, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So this is a 70. This is not some people think some of the stuff was just for the apostles or just for the 12 disciples. That says, no, no, he had other disciples, other people were following. This is 70 went out and were witnessing, learning from Christ and went out and they come back and they said, hey, even the sub, like they were kind of surprised. Like they had to use it. The Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of background here on that part. But they come back and told Jesus, they said, we're, we're, even the devils were subject unto us. And, and they, they almost seemed surprised, but they had it. And Jesus said, unto them, beheld, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And then it's verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus gave us power over these things that Satan can do over serpents. Now, there's a couple of things in context here. Um, well, let's go to Matthew 18, and then, then, I'll, then I'll elaborate. They're similar passages. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, and verse 18, Verily I say unto you, 
Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So that between that and Luke, the context, first of all, the, they, those 70 went out toward the, for the gospel. They were giving the gospel. It does not mean any time, and there's other passages, and Mark talks about people, if they, if they drink poison, it won't hurt them, and, and people take all them things, or, you know, the serpent bites you, whatever, won't hurt you. Paul was an example of that. When he shipwrecked and got that wood, the serpent came up, they cut the fire, jumped out, bit him on the hand, he shook it off, he wasn't hurt, and, and they listened to him preach because of that event. Um, this is not all these shows and people on stage and trying to make fools themselves either playing with snakes or, or thinking these gifts. That is not what they First of all, the goal is the gospel. That does not mean also that it can't apply in other areas of your life in the sense of if I'm living for God, if I want to live for God and I want to be a good testimony at work, that's sort of an ongoing part of giving the gospel. Not the same as I walk up to somebody and, you know, are you saved? Would you listen? And I give the gospel. And, and sure, uh, we, we need to think bigger than that with the gospel. Um, so, in other words, some of these things can affect more than just, oh, I'm on purpose, set a time aside, and, you know, I'm knocking doors or what we call soul winning or going out. Um, that, that certainly that's what this is talking about. But, it's also bigger if my purpose in living for God, so I'm always in the right testimony for God, and I'm always in the prayerful mindset of God, and I'm always searching for the things of God, and I'm always wanting to be give the gospel. I always want to be right with God so that I can talk to somebody at a moment's notice. And, and, and these things apply. God gave us this power as we can go and, and touch and, and bind and... Um, as I said, loose Satan, we have the authority over or the power, if you will, over the things of Satan as we go live for God. So if Satan's trying to attack me, we need to understand here in Luke, back in Luke 10, 17, and, and down in the power of serpents and scorpions and, and, and over that's, that's, in other words, I can go do God's work. Um, because of the power that God gave me, and I don't have to worry about Satan. Well, then why is it that it seems like Satan can attack me sometimes? Why does it seem like there's times where it seems like Satan is just everywhere and trying to, to influence and control and, 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 uh, um, and, and do it? Well, in, in James 4, 7, it says, submit yourselves, therefore, unto God, and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. The problem is, how are we submitting to God? As we saw in Romans 12, too, that uh, we're to renew our mind, to transform our thinking, and, and, and become something new. It starts with, how are we thinking about these things of God? Uh, are we taking on uh, the, this form to say, hey, if God gave us power to have victory, why is it that it seems like many Christians don't have victory? Uh, it seems that there's something in our mind, in our heart, in our relationship with God that we're just not looking at. So God promised the victory. God promised us the power. Let's see where the power starts from in, uh, in John 1. In uh, John, where it describes Christ, John 1 and 1. Uh, there's an interesting phrase here. 
And all the way through Scripture, we find when it comes to salvation, salvation is, is a gift. Salvation is just I have to accept Christ or believe in Christ and who Christ is. And we understand that this is, does not complicate uh, the gospel, but there's a, there's an interesting um, word here in John 1 as it described Jesus as the word. In verse 14, it was the word became flesh. It's describing Christ. But in verse 12 of John 1, it says, uh, verse 11, because it's talking about the, the Jews that people should have known, he came unto his own and his own received him not. So that's the conduct of the Jews. But that's verse 12. That's what the but is referring to in verse 12. Um, so he came, the Jews did not receive him as the Messiah. So he went out, now it says in verse 12, but as many as received him, in other words, whoever received him. Um, that also takes care of all the goofy ideas in Calvinism that uh, God picks and chooses who is going to be saved. Uh, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So if you accept Christ, and it reiterates, this isn't, well, okay, I received Christ, now i got to keep working for it. That's why it says it gives me power to, to become, and, and a future, that's, that's not what it's saying. It, it, it's, it's saying here, and it reiterates at the end of the verse, even to them that believe on his name. So he closes that verse with clarifying, um, so that's not misunderstood. But it says that he gave him them power, he gave the power to become the sons of God. And uh, so it starts with our mind, Romans 12, 2, that how we think about the things of God as we have th that power. And as with Luke 10 and, and Matthew 18, as we go, let's go back to Matthew 18 for a moment. We only read a verse there, there's a couple things going on. That uh, Matthew 18, verse 18, we already read, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. In other words, if two more than one person is praying together, for God to maybe maybe bind something with Satan or take something away or heal or get or whatever, the power's in prayer. Now, verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. We hear that verse a lot, or we hear that verse talking about, you know, church or just get together, uh, two or three together, and Jesus is there, and, and we live that. But if you back up and read these verses to find out what verse 20 is actually talking about, it's talking about um, having a, a, either binding Satan or opening up the heavens for blessings in our life that we can pray together for God to do something great. And then it says, for where two or three are gathered together, my name, there am I in the midst. It's talking about something way bigger than just having a meeting. It's talking about our direct relationship with God and God blessing and, and God doing things up. either said either binding things or loosing things, and God is on our side based on the power that he already gave us. And uh, man, uh, talking about all the way through scripture, talking about, man, we're overcomers. We're, 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 we're protected by God, but sometimes it gives the armor. We read last week about the armor of God. If we put on the whole armor of God, that armor is for our protection. There's a reason. The problem is most Christians aren't even looking at it. 
Um, for some reason, we think it's some kind of kid's story or something, uh, and uh, it, it, it's not. We need to put on that armor so that we're protected. Let's go to the book of Job and show an example. Um, book of Job, chapter 1. We know Satan has some access to God. There's some, I've heard some different things, and I, I'm not saying to argue what's right or wrong, but apparently, at least to some degree, Satan has access to heaven. I'm talking to God, but there's an interesting passage here, but I want to point out within context of what we're looking at. Uh, Job chapter 1, verse 1, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And that perfect, it means complete. That word perfect in this context used several times through the Bible. It means because I'm saved, I'm complete. In other words, I'm not a shell. I'm not... I'm not uh, spiritually, you know, we're, the world is trying to fill that gap and that void in their life. You know, when I got saved, I have Christ in me. I now have the Holy Spirit and the comforter, comforter. I am complete. Therefore, as a person, I am perfect. Doesn't mean, yes, there's still sin in the flesh and all that. It's not, but, but anyway, so he decided, he said, we feared God. He eschewed evil. He tried to stay away from me, perfect and upright. Um, I'm just pointing out that word perfect there does not mean sinless in the flesh. Um, and there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And so it was when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. And uh, now... There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before God, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan said, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man? one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? Um, I want to stop there just for a moment and understand. I, I'm going to read into this. Yes, there's part we don't know. I'm just wondering. I, God pointed out Job, and I'm guessing. So Satan's going out. That verse we read. Hey, Satan, he's a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So Satan was on his mission, he was warming the earth, just looking around, maybe looking for a target, maybe looking for uh, whatever. So anyway, he's having this conversation with God, and it was God, the Lord, that said, Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? In other words, Job was such a great Christian that God was pointing him out even, in other words, hey, you know, you're looking around, but but you're trying to find, in other words, I believe here, and, and I'm reading in my opinion on, on this conversation, because the Bible doesn't tell us all of it, that Satan was looking for excuse. He's the accuser of the brethren. He goes, God, hey, see, they sinned, they messed up again, maybe they're, and he just, he, he's constantly trying to accuse. 
I, I believe maybe God was just pointing out in this, uh, not that God has to prove anything to Satan. It's just that God might have just been pointing out because Satan's looking for this week and God's saying, hey, here's a guy that's, that's doing it right. You got nothing on him. And uh, so um, that, that Satan answered, well, does he fear God for not? In other words, Satan said, you're blessed him so much. Why wouldn't he follow you? And, and, and the truth is, when it comes to God, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I understand, but that was Satan's excuse. So God said, uh, but Satan continues here in verse 10, Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house, about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hand and his substance increased in the land. And uh, so then he goes on to conversation and he proves Job's attitude and the, the rest of the book. But what's going on right here? Satan noticed. He said, I can't get to Job because you put a hedge about him. You know, it starts back up. But first of all, it gives a little background of Job in verse one. He was perfect. He was upright. He feared God. He eschewed evil or stayed away from evil or put evil away. And then it said his family, he was giving sacrifices and praying um, on behalf of his children, notice he even said, he said, it might be that, hey, my, my, my son might have sinned. Uh, they might have done something wrong. And he was going on uh, to God on their behalf, not to cover sin that he knew about, just in case. He was doing everything he could in his power to try to keep his children right. And uh, so it wasn't just about him. He wasn't concerned about his family. Now, we also notice, just for the sake of the story here, um, if you go to toward near the end of Job, you'll find that all the stuff that happened, all the stuff that take away, and when God started blessing him again, it said that Job took time even then and prayed for his friends. And uh, so the, our direct relationship with God, notice also, I'm not going to go back there. I'm gonna, just going to mention it. Um, in, um, ah, uh, better look just to make sure I, um, I believe it's the one in Matthew. Um, but, uh, they go down in these passages that we read in Luke and Matthew and, uh, but especially Matthew where it talks about your relationship with God and God giving them that power and God giving them that that authority and uh, the bind in heaven, what story is bound in heaven, what story shall loose on earth and be dead. And then uh, goes on and talks about, hey, there's three, pray together, I'm there and, and, and I'll give you and give them that power. And then it goes to the next verse after 20, verse 21 is when Peter came to Jesus, asked about forgiveness. Jesus goes from that to talking about forgiveness. And, and I'm not pre I preached on that before. I'm not preaching on that other than I, we're trying to gather the whole thought of the entire Bible. If we want to have the authority from God, which he already offered, he already gave us already there uh, to, to bind Satan, to have victory over Satan. Uh, and, and we're not trying to be like the charismatics. I think they can demand, you know, devils. And I, I believe there's a little bit. I just think they take it too far and too wrong and, and, and they make it more about themselves. Like they think they're fighting Satan sometimes. And, and, and that's not it. God gave us power to say, Hey, 
um, because I'm living for God, because God gave me this power, uh, because this, that I'm going to live above those attacks and Satan can have, I can have that hedge around me like Job had. I can have that protection by, from God like Job had. I can have all those things um, because I can go to God and do it that way. Like James 4, 7 says, if I submit myself to God and then resist the devil, he'll free, flee from me. I'm just trying to point out today that we have that victory already given us. And we already have, God already gave us these victories in our life. Um, the, the difference is we're so busy in this world sometimes being distracted because of Satan's distractions and all the things going on in this world that we forget that God wants to give us those victories in the small things and in the big things. And we don't have to worry about Satan's attacks. We have to know he exists. We have to know that's part of it. We have to know Satan wants to try to mess us up. We have to know that Satan wants to try to keep us from serving God. But but God already gave us the victory. Uh, but for some reason, we seem to ignore that part and how we live. And uh, God said, hey, it's there. I gave it. You just need to tap into what God already gave you and do it God's way. And uh, so as, as we look, when they saw James talking about praying, um, we called the, the church was almost like fighting, almost like at war. But he mentioned about things, their prayers not being answered because they ask amiss, that they might consume it upon their own lust. You know, if we'd learn how to pray in the regard of what God, how, how God wants us to pray, um, our needs, our basic needs, even our simple, what we think are little simple things, but the big things in our heart, keep our mind in our heart, like Philippians 4 says, and, 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 and uh, keep our mind, keep Satan off us, keep that hedge of protection around us, uh, keep, keep right. If we would learn to pray uh, God's way, and much of that prayer through the Bible is just praising and thanking God. Um, and it shouldn't be hard to do if we talk to God and thank him for what he's done. Um, it, it should be hard. That's much of prayer in the Bible. But we, we learn and say God wants to protect us. God already gave us victory. We just have to use what God already gave us. And uh, But we know that Satan's after us. Satan wants to stop us. And Satan wants us to be miserable. Uh, partly he just doesn't care, and that's what he does is misery. But he wants us to mostly because... The more miserable we are in this world, the less likely we're to go do something for God. And uh, so Satan has it, but God gave us the victory. Um, God said, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And uh, that, that agreement, God promised that. Jesus said that. Jesus already gave that. We just need to live it, and we can have victory over Satan. Understand that Satan is looking for whom he may devour. And many times that just has to do with our thinking. And obviously, to a degree, it's unintentional, but it's, it's in a sense of not doing things God's way that we just allow Satan to get to us. And uh, our guard is not so much that, oh, I need to be scared, worry about Satan being behind every tree or bush or, or, or attacking me at any moment. That, that's not how we live. But we do need to understand he exists and it's real. And, uh, and, and that the, 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 uh, his attempt to keep us from serving God is real. But Jesus already gave us that victory.
Uh, there is, there's no reason that we can't live in victory in our life with God and have that peace, all that peace and blessing and joy. Starts with just understanding God already gave it to us. We just need to live it and uh, take it. With that, we'll stand together. Let's close in, uh, in prayer. Understand that we can be, we can live in that victory within the things of God. And God wants us to have victory. God wants us to have the peace that passes all understanding so that we can be the best testimony for him. That will close. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this time together in your word. God, I pray that you'll help us as we live with you on our heart and you on our mind, um, as we pray and live and, and serve you. And God, that we'll have that victory and peace in our heart. God, I pray that you'll help us. Uh, God, give us courage, give us boldness. And, uh, and, and, and as we go live for you as uh, your servants this week, in Jesus' name, amen.